Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. We're going to have our Bible reading now where we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 and 9. So if you have your Bibles there, uh, you can flick them open or it'll be on the screen behind me. And I just want to point out too, in our growth group books this week, it says 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9. So make sure you go to 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9 in our growth group books. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everybody. My name's Ross. If we haven't met, uh, it is great to be sharing this message about patience. God's been really working on me this week. Uh, in this but before I start if you're here last week I just want to say thank you to all the messages I got last week when it come to uh, me reading the Bible oh, you normally read it off the back screen and this I can say now that the screen was playing up and I had trouble reading it so all the messages saying Ross I think it's time to get new glasses thanks for the suggestion even messages going Ross we were worried we thought you're having a stroke I appreciate that how quickly you come to the stage to my rescue is another question. But I appreciate your concern. Uh, today we've got plan B. So it's all good. Uh, let me pray and then uh, look into this deeper. Dear Father God, just thank you for watching over us. Thank you for your love for us, that you don't abandon us, even though we are impatient and we don't always see things your way. So Lord, I pray that you'd teach us this morning about your patience and that we might have some of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every decade seems to be known by something. So in the 80s, it was pop culture. In the 90s, it was innovations, inventions, some of the great ones there. In 2000s, it was information coming into our home with computers and the web. It just opened up the world to us. In the 2010s, uh, the social revolution, we had all the information in our hands, in our mobile phones. We had connectedness to everybody all the time. We all had it. In the 2020, what is going to be, what are we going to be known for? What is going to be the big thing that's going to change our culture in the 2020s? I'm going to have a bit of a guess, and it is summed up in the whole uh, menu log or app or the get this, what I want, when I want it now, because it seems to be everywhere. I can get what I want, when I want now, if I've got a phone, if I've got the right app, and I think the menu log advertising if you haven't heard it uh, is the anthem for this you know the whole Katy Perry I'll say it slowly you can hum it in your head (laughs) when you're running low and there's and there's only one place to go because I get what I want when I want it margarita with extra cheese on it download it all uh, download it now I've got to do is pull out my phone easy as one two three goes on like that and it's man I hear that ad ten times a day and I actually have to confess I actually like it it's just in my head it's a happy tune it's good but it's an anthem that's 
feeding me all the time. Get what I want, when I want it, just pull out my phone. And what a time in history to live that I can enjoy this. This is the easiest time in history, in a sense. You know, if I want food, I can just order it. Menu log or any of the other ones. If I eat too much food, certificate. I'm just going to grab the other mic. I get a doctor's certificate without even leaving the lounge. I can do my shopping from home. I do my banking, pay my bills. I can even get loans. I can get someone to clean my gutters. Just click on the phone. I can even find a date if I wanted to find a date. I can even find a date. Just go on the right app off my phone. I can get what I want when I want it. There is no other time in history where we have this instant gratification, where it just all happens for me. It's never been easier. And I'm all for easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for easy. So I think that all this stuff is great. But I wonder then what happens when we don't get what we want when we want it. What happens? Because it's, I was talking to somebody this week about uh, preaching on patience, because it's a little bit different for me. And they said, oh, I don't find that a problem at all. I find it's easy to be patient. Really? As long as everybody else does what I want them to do, it's easy. We don't have to have our patience tested when everybody else is agreeing with us. The problem is not everybody agrees with me. It's easy to get impatient and it's easy to lose it. For me, it could be as little as uh, we only live uh, a little bit down the road from here, Rochdale South. Uh, I used to know that I could go from there, from our place to here in eight minutes. Had five traffic lights, usually get about half of them, eight minutes and you're here. In the, in the last few years, they've added three sets of traffic lights. Now, it takes me ten minutes. Somebody has robbed two minutes out of my day. And I'm not happy about it. So, rather than thinking, i just got to leave two minutes earlier. It's two minutes. I'm thinking, I've got every right to be cranky. I want to write a letter. I want to send... I need to get an app, sorry. I need to get on my app and send an objection. Like, you can't do... It's a right for me to stand up. You can't test my patience like this. I want when I want. When I want it. But also there's bigger things that test our patience. There's the things like our lifelong dreams. Yeah, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I want to feel healthy. I want to have my physical fitness back. What I want, when I want it. But it's just not happening. So even in the big things, it's like, I just want to get angry at someone. I want to take my frustrations out on someone. Do we get angry at God to go, this is not right, this is not fair, I'm trusting you? Or do we get angry at the people around us because we're frustrated, we lose our patience? We want to take it out on somebody. So patience, in a sense, is it's interesting that when I saw it in the fruit of the Spirit, I thought, well, this is a bit of a nothing one, really. Patience, does that have to be there as a part of godliness? But actually, you know, as our world gets faster, as our world gets better, our pa- I think we're losing the art of patience. I think it is something that we've struggled with. So what we're going to do this morning is follow the same pattern we've done in the past. It's just see how God deals with patience, how we see it in Jesus. We're going to uh, see what it looks like and then see how we've experienced and how we can grow in our own patience. That's where we're going. But to um, 
to see it at work in Jesus, we can look at something like John chapter 20 with Jesus, when Jesus deals with, the, with one of his disciples, Thomas. Now in this, Jesus uh, has hung out with his disciples for about three years. Uh, he told them he was going to die and then, but don't worry, I will rise again. So then, this, is, this conversation's happening after Jesus has rose. So he got killed uh, the weekend before, the Friday. He rose again on the Sunday. He met up with, he went to meet with his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. So the disciples report to him, hey, this is what's happened. Jesus is risen. He's alive. He's beaten death. What was Thomas's reaction? He doesn't believe unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Now, if you're Jesus, how do you respond? We did an interesting exercise in our growth groups about our personality types and how we handle pressure and stress. And there's two personality types described as rhinos and hedgehogs. Rhinos, you get angry and you explode and just get out of my road. Where a hedgehog is that... I'm just going to bottle it in, build it up on a curl in a ball and put out my spikes. You don't want to be around me because I'm a spiky person, but it's not as explosive as the rhino. But for Jesus, I can imagine Jesus being very tempted to be like the hedgehog. You know, a bit of the passive aggressive. I'm not going to lose my lid, but I'm just going to let you know how I feel. You know, Thomas, yeah, I... You've been around with me three years, right? You've seen me do stuff. You've heard me teach. And you heard me talk about the thing where I was going to die and I was going to rise again because I'm really the son of God. You heard me talk. Or were you asleep, Thomas? You know, that passive aggressive. You know, where you've heard. I've said over and over and over again. So Jesus turns up to the disciples and guess who's not there Thomas Thomas were you like sleeping in then when I showed myself to everybody else where are you now Thomas what you want proof here's the proof you don't believe me you don't trust me put your fingers in my hands put your fingers in the scars in my side it's like you can imagine Jesus had every right to have that kind of frustration and anger and build up or could Jesus be the rhino Jesus comes in and says, you know what sort of day I've had or the week I've had? You know, they killed me last week. They nailed me to a cross. They spat on me. They abused me. They flogged me and they killed me on a cross. I got locked in a tomb. I was dead. And you know what else I did this week, Thomas? Oh, you know what? I defeated death. That's right. I was dead in a tomb. I defeated death, had to unwrap my bandages and then roll them up and put them on the side. But then I, they put a big stone over the tomb so I had to move the stone so I could walk out of the tomb you know I did that for you Thomas because I died for your sin what have you done this week Thomas I saved humanity what have you been up to asleep again it's like Jesus had every right to to be really cranky at Thomas for his lack of faith lack of belief but no he shows this long-suffering patience with Thomas where he's restrained he pulls back and doesn't get angry but just hey Thomas do you want to see my scars put your hand here believe and Thomas believed Jesus has a very like a patience that's very admirable how restrained he is how long suffering he is and it's very interesting we need to look at this 
there's actually different ways we can mean patience. And I'm going to get a little bit nerdy and talk about how the Greek language uses patience because this all happened in the first century and Greek was the common language. So it was all, this was written in, in Greek by the disciples uh, and then the New Testament, uh, the rest of the New Testament. There's actually three words that you could use to describe patience in the Greek. It's up there. Um, it's actually, I didn't get so nerdy, I did put the Greek um, actual letters. But um, the first one, anekomai, has the emphasis to persevere or endure. So it's quite an active way of saying, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to be firm. I'm going to endure this. Katereo is to be strong and not give up, like persistent, to have patience uh, that looks very courageous, strong. You're not going to move me. Uh, I'm not going to give up. But then there's this macrothemia, who, which is long-suffering and restrained. These are definitions uh, the, the Greek encyclopedia use, basically. Uh, they're not my definitions. But it's, the third one is long-suffering and restrained. It's quite passive because it's emphasis on, I'm not going to force, the, to force things to happen. I'm just going to let it happen around me. It's kind of passive in that way. Now, all these three words are used in Greek literature, in the Bible and outside the Bible. But it's interesting, the first two are used very commonly outside of the Bible and often in a military context. So we sent out our armies to fight the, the Romans or whatever and we told the Romans to be patient. But it's the kind, they would use one of these first two words, patience to persevere or patience not to give up because it's quite an active way. I'm showing how strong I am by doing these things. The third one is very, very rarely used outside of the Bible because it's weak. We don't want to say that we're patient by passively waiting. But guess which one is used most to talk about the patience of God? It's the third one, macrothymia. Because God, all those phrases that say God is slow to anger, uses that word. Because it's, it's restrained, it's long-suffering, it's holding back. So God could get angry, and he sometimes does get angry, justifiably get angry, but he restrains it. He's long-suffering. I mean, you look at God's journey, the way he dealt with Israel, all the things that they did. He didn't just go in there and force the issue. He says, no, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see what they do. So he's long-suffering that way. He wanted to give Israel a chance rather than forcing the issue. So when you let um, someone go on like that, it does look weak. Looks like you're not in control or possibly even you don't care. But it's not. It's actually to be restrained like that is actually to be really strong, to restrain yourself from getting angry. But this is the word when it talks about in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. It's this third one, macrothymia. This is what we're called to be like God. We, also, we should note that uh, all followers of the Bible does use these other words to persevere and to endure as well. So the other ones describe the Christian walk as well. But it's the third one that's in the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we see in Jesus, what Jesus was doing to Thomas. Long-suffering. Thomas, I told you about this stuff over and over again and you, you didn't believe me. 
But Jesus wasn't frustrated. He wasn't angry. He was restrained. Look, Thomas. Look at, what, look at my scars. So have you ever received that sort of patience? I mean, it's easier to stand up here and go, you need to be more like that. You need to be less angry. You need to be more restrained. You need to be less impatient and more long-suffering. It's easy to say it. It's very hard to do. But what is helpful if we realize that we've actually received this sort of patience to us. We've been at the receiving end of this patience. Therefore, we can understand it better. And we can do it for others. See, when you get a big picture view of the Bible, you do see, like when you read slabs of the Old Testament, you go, Israel, how foolish are you? I get really frustrated, Israel, when you look. God has saved you from slavery in Egypt. He's brought you into the promised land. You've got everything you ever want. They had it all. God's people in God's place, living under God's rule. They were all there. But yet... As you go through the story, they say to the, the prophet, hey, we want a king. The other nations have got a king. We haven't got a king. They're like, what do you want a man on a throne for? You've got God who's given you everything. So how foolish are you? God gives them a king in patience. They start chasing other, other nations have got other gods. We need other gods, other temples. We want more and more other stuff. And the prophets would go, why do you want all this other? You've got God who does everything. The most powerful God. They go, no, no, we want to be like the other nations. Go, you fools. They go, idols. Idols are all about superstition. If I do this to this idol, if I carry on this idol, because all the other nations have idols. We don't have idols. We need idols. Life will be better for us. Prophets go, you, are you joking? You know, you've got... Anyway, it's over and over and over again. And God has this restrained, long-suffering patience with them. I look at them and go, man, if I was there, I wouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. I would know better. If God was doing all those miracles, I'd be trusting him. <coughs> but then you've got somebody like Thomas. Can you imagine, on one of your to-do lists, if you could go back in history to any time, to go out and hang out with Jesus for three years like the disciples. That would be like a, a, a spiritual journey like no other, to actually see Jesus doing miracles. To actually hear him teaching about the kingdom of God and eternity and the hope we have in him. To actually see this all play out. To see him dying on the cross. Like that would be life changing, wouldn't it? But yet Thomas comes in and goes, oh, I'm not going to believe that. It's like, you were there. Thomas, how silly, how immature, how arrogant are you, Thomas? But yet... You know, I also wonder, I wonder a lot of things about the Bible. If I was written into the Bible, what character would I be? Or if there was a chapter about me, what would it say? Oh, this religious guy who's very proud, very arrogant, didn't live out what he said. He's just inconsistent with his life. You know, he treated God just on the sidelines, just picked out all these moments. And if you want to know, if you think it's better than that, you talk to somebody who knows you better. Like for me, if you talk to Kim, she'll fill you in on some stuff that's a scary thought for me but you kind of know if you want an honest portrayal you've got to be honest about that and to realize actually i'm israel i laugh at them i think they're fools i do the same things i get frustrated at thomas thomas what are you thinking if i no no i say to god all the time prove it prove it i'm like them so for me 
when I see God's long-suffering for me, it's long-suffering. I fail all the time. I fail him again. I fail him yesterday, today. I fail again tomorrow. Long-suffering. The restraint that he has because he loves me so much. I sometimes wonder what it's going to be like to walk into heaven and thinking about this stuff i wouldn't be surprised if i walk into heaven uh and i'm welcomed with open arms thank you for the blood of jesus who uh, allows me to come in because of his grace but i can imagine somebody somebody like thomas walking up to me putting his arm around me and going ross you know Good on you for trusting Jesus. But what were you thinking when you were doing this? What were you thinking when you put God on trial? What were you thinking? It's like, yeah, I know. I'm a fool. But it's a testimony to God's long-suffering patience with me. And it's when we experience that patience. Because I suppose if I ask you, how are you going with God? Are you making God God in this long-suffering patience? I mightn't have to ask you, I might ask your spouse or someone you live with just to see, are you living this out too? Because I think we can all see similarities in Israel, similarities in Thomas, that we do all the same stuff. And it's when we realise that we experience the patience of God in our lives, we go, well, you know what? If God's been like that to me, I should be like that to those around me. I shouldn't get angry. I shouldn't get frustrated. I should have the long-suffering restraint. How are you go at te- going at testing God's patience? How about we appreciate that and then start to think about how we live that out? How does that change your life? This is the question. How do we pursue this kind of patience? Now, I said this, this, um, this word macrothymia is a word that's uh, not used much outside of the New Testament, but in the Testament, it's all through it. It's a patience that we're called to as followers of Jesus. There's actually one little passage I want to throw you, show you through James when it refers to three different areas of life. And in fact, every time it talks about this kind of patience, it refers to three areas in the Christian life. First, uh, but in James chapter 5, reading for verse 7, the three are wrapped up in James's closing thoughts in his letter. The first one, be patient, which is this macrothemio. Uh, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and springs. So it's be God's going to return. Jesus is going to return to take us home, and we sung about that this morning. But it's going to happen soon. But soon's taken years, taken hundreds of years, now taken thousands of years. Be patient, long-suffering, he says. So wait for Jesus' return. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, uh, one another, brothers or sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Our patience should be not just towards God, but towards each other. And then the third one is talking about our life situation verse 10 brothers and sisters as an example of patience in the face of suffering take the prophets who spoke in the name of the lord so you look at the old testament prophets talk about suffering talk about living in bad circumstances god gave them a job description to go and give people a message a message to repent and turn back to him a message they were going to not 
it wasn't going to go down well. In fact, all the prophets were killed because they were telling people to turn back from God. Talk about long suffering. If you got appointed, I want to be a prophet. You get the job description. Don't pack your lunch. You might not last that long. It's talk about long, but have patience. And they had patience. He says, look at them. That's the sort of patience we need. There's three areas. I just want to spend a couple more minutes on each of those ones because this is where the rubber hits the road. How do we live this out? And this is where we can go to a whole bunch of other passages. We'll move through. So to be patient on Christ's return, we can look at passages like the one we had read in 2 Peter chapter 3 uh, when it talks about um, gen- like a reason to be patient and talks about God's character. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is slow in keeping his promises, promise as, uh, sorry, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now this one, if I asked you, how patient are you with the Lord's coming? I think uh, if you're really suffering in life and you can't wait for the day Jesus comes you're really sweating on it hope it's next week that is real patience I think for most of us though we have this fake sort of patience what we might say a counterfeit patience which is like I really don't think about it I really don't care we live in a paradise we live in like a heaven that it's like I don't care if it comes tomorrow but if it's after my lifetime I'm having a good life anyway But actually, when we understand God is patient with us, not just with you, but with humanity, why is he patient with us? Because he wants us to come to him. He wants more of us to come into his family, into his kingdom. So as we wait for him, we've actually got a task. That is to to see other people come to him. It's for us to have patience with those we want to see come to the Lord, but we don't give up on them. We want to see that our friends, our neighbours, our community. We talk about seeing the 1% of our community, the 1,000 people come into the kingdom. But we do that in patience. God's giving us time because he's patient. He's long-suffering and restrained. So we can do that. That is not an I don't care type attitude. That is a I actually do care. I'm glad God's patience with me. I'm also glad he's patient for my friends, my neighbours, my family. I need to help them. He's also, uh, we're also to be patient with others. Uh, Another great passage is from Colossians chapter 3, from verse 12 to 13, where it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's this patience that we've been talking about, this this long uh, suffering restraint. What does that look like, verse 13? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You are God's people. You are forgiven. You have experienced the long-suffering restraint, the patience of God. Now, we're to live that out with each other. I know this is hard to do and in different settings. I know after a big day, particularly... You know, when you've got everything happening at home, when your kids are young, work's busy, pressure's on. I know that this is really hard. When you get home from the long day and you're drained, you're frustrated, 
you pull up in the driveway and you just think, oh, it's going to be all great. And your kids are all tired and frustrated and hungry. They're not doing what they should be doing. Your wife's had a big day. And it's like just the littlest trigger. It's like even if you're um, a hedgehog rolled up, it's like you just explode. You start going, do you know what kind of day I've had? I've had this happen, this happen, and I come home and you guys are doing all this. It's easy just to take your frustration. I just want to get angry at somebody because I'm impatient. Hasn't gone my way. It's like, that's easy to do. It's easy to do. But that's not the people we're called to be. God's been patient. Let's be patient, even with your family. Something weird happens about we usually take out our frustrations on the people closest to us. We do that. But yet, sometimes it's worth just taking a breath. I remember going through a, a bit of a season when I'd get home and pull up in the driveway hoping that home is my safe place, my quiet place. It's all going to be great. Uh, but knowing it wasn't uh, often because everybody's had the sort of day I've had. So I pull up in the driveway and it's like, I'm just going to spend 30 seconds before I walk in the car, uh, walk in the door and hop out of the car. Just processing, my day hasn't gone that well. It's been a bit rough, but you know what? I don't want to dump that on my family. I'm just going to leave that at work. Actually, what I want to do, when I walk in that door, the chances are everybody's going to be tired and narky at each other because they've had big days, it's hot, they're hungry and all that stuff's happening. I want to make sure I top up their tanks. I want to make sure I actually show them patience and I want to change the tone. So I actually go in with that mindset. And just takes 30 seconds just to process that. I don't want to dump my baggage on other people. God's been patient with me. I want to show them patience. I want to give them joy. I want to turn that around. That's been super helpful for me over the past. But things at home, we don't want to be taking our frustrations out of them. But what about holding grievances at life in church, our church community? Because I know at some point we've all been disappointed with other people. They didn't help me when I was expecting their help. They didn't support me when I was expecting their support. I just expected better from people around me. You know, they call themselves a church. They say they love me, but I'm not seeing it. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to hold grudges. It's easy to just lose patience with those around us. It's easy. And I think the reason why this is brought up so much in the New Testament, because it happens in every book over and over again, be patient with each other. The reason why is because it's not easy and because it happens in every church. There's always seasons where we feel frustrated, where we run out of patience. So we're constantly told, that, and I love this bit in Colossians, like, you know, you've experienced God's patience. You've experienced God's forgiveness. Don't hold that back from others around you. Show them patience. Show them forgiveness. Be quick to restore that's, that's the sort of people God wants. Those people are patient, long-suffering, restrained. It's that sort of patience. What about patience in our situation? There's another little verse in Hebrews 6 from verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, it's an Old Testament character, since there was, uh, <coughs> since there was no, no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. 
And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Again, it's this long-suffering patience, this restrained patience. It'd be very easy for Abraham to go, you know, the years are clicking on. We haven't got a child. In that time, like many other times in history, there's a bit of shame in not being able to have children. You know, seeing everybody else is having children. God comes along and promises, you're going to have many descendants. Well, for at least have many. I need to at least have one child. Abraham's getting older. Sarah thinks it's a joke because she's about to turn 100, so she's laughing at God at this point. It's that long-suffering patience, isn't it? Abraham had to have that. It's not, I'm just going to dig in here. I'm going to be strong. It's actually, I need to restrain myself. I need to be long-suffering and wait for God's time in this. Now, just like whether it's Abraham, whether you're feeling the same sort of thing, whether our dreams, whether it's children, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, doing things in life that just seems to be... it's just not happening. I real, I'm not asking for a miracle, but it's all happening for everybody else, but it's not happening for me. We can feel like that. We can feel like the prophets that we talked about earlier. The prophets who went out, when they got the job description, it meant, you know what? You're not going to have any fun in life, it feels. You're going to look weak. You're not going to fit in. You're going to fit out. Uh, you're going to miss out on everything, but yet not get angry about that. Not be frustrated, just be long-suffering, that patience in that. Sometimes we can feel like that too. We're on the outer. We don't fit. In fact, people don't like what we say if we're standing up for the gospel. Sometimes this long-suffering stuff is hard. And I don't really have to describe it because you know, if you're going through stuff like that, you go, yep, that's where I'm at. And it's hard. Never in here does it say it's easy. That's why we admire it in God We've got a Father God that's been patient with us, not because it was easy. It's long-suffering. It's restrained. But we've received that kind of patience. Now, as we're working through this, we're just encouraged over and over again to keep coming to God, pray to him, pray and pray and pray. Long-suffering patience. There's no quick and easy answer. We trust God and his timing. That's for all of us, no matter what we're going through. But let me encourage you in that. Please let others in on your journey so we can be praying with you and for you that as a church family we can be sharing some of that load and burden and plead to God that his timing will be soon. There's nothing wrong with that prayer, but we trust in him. See, let us be a church that waits patiently for Jesus' return, patiently being he's given us more time to reach out to our community, to know Jesus. Let us be a church that is patient with each other, with our kids, and as a community, we're quick to forgive. Let's be a church that's known for that. Let's be a church that carries each other's heartaches, our burdens, that we're long-suffering in our dreams and desires, and we bring them to God. Let me pray for each of us now, because actually... I did think this was going to be an easy talk, but the more I got into it, this is a big issue for a lot of people, for me included, that in a world that's, I get what I want when I want it, but actually, in reality, that leads to lots of disappointments. Let me pray. Dear Father God, just thank you for your amazing love for us. And Lord, we're sorry 
that often we don't see it, we don't appreciate it. Lord, we have doubts like Thomas. We look to you to prove yourself, to answer our prayers. Give us what we want when we want it. But Lord, thank you that your timing is always perfect. That even though we question your ability, that you can do all things. And Lord, we thank you for a God that doesn't get frustrated with us and get angry at us and cut us off. But you listen to our prayers. You listen to our pleads. And you love us when we come to you. Lord, let us be a church that comes to you all the time. Let's be a church that uh, has that heart for the, uh, the long-suffering patience for, to see others come into the kingdom, to know you, to be a part of your family. Lord, let us be a people that just grow to love and forgive everyone around us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.